Well, good morning, contact family. Some of y'all noticed something was missing today. The offering. I almost forgot to make sure it was missing. <laughs> Told Cyrus during the song right before, hey, we're not doing the offering right now. We're doing it later today. So today is Mission Sunday. We've been talking about this a little bit for a few weeks. I've been super vague about it, trying to not give too much away, but I'm glad to see you guys here, and I'm excited about what I think God is going to do here today. So let's pray before we go any farther. God, thank you so much for the folks that are in this room today. God, thank you so much for the way that you love us. Thank you for making us your church. God, I pray that hearts will be moved today for the right things that we might be a blessing to each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to talk about Mission Sunday, but we're going to start off going into a deep scholarly dive. All right? So back, <laughs> Miss T says woohoo, because Miss T loves it when we do this. Back when I started grad school in January 2010, my first, one of my first classes was Intro to the New Testament, as you do at the beginning, right? And I did one of the first papers, because the first papers were on the book of Mark and Matthew, because they were, you know, the Gospels, the beginning, written earliest. And so I did this paper on what's called Markin Sandwiches, all right? There's a fancier name for this. Uh, I can't remember what it is off my head right now. I reread the paper, and you know what? It wasn't half bad, but that's mostly because it was regurgitation of what some fancier, smarter people had written. And it's this idea that two stories are sandwiched together. So you got your bread and you got your filling, right? That's a sandwich. And so you've got a story that's wrapping around another story. And it's a device that's used to bring deeper understanding, and Mark just loves it. Mark uses it potentially around 20 times throughout his gospel. And there's a lot of argument around which ones count and, and which ones don't count based on whatever I had read from some scholar at that time. There were six that were never questioned as being part of this. And it was a long time ago. I don't really remember how it all went, all right? But I remember it stuck with me because what it does is it, is it changes the way you read the story. And this is true because this happens in Matthew where the stories are separated out, and the way Matthew uses those stories is different from the way Mark uses them to move the message of the gospel along. And that's something that you have to remember, and this is something that's a longer discussion for another day, is that these guys who wrote the gospels wrote them for a purpose. They want you to believe something, and so they chose what to include and what not to include to get the message across they were trying to get across. So that means they said, these are the things that God wants you to understand, and I'm going to say it this way to help move your understanding along. Okay? So this is the scholarly backdrop, all right? So here's an example of it. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, you've got the story of Jairus' daughter. Jesus gets off a boat, and this synagogue ruler comes, says, my daughter is dying, come help her. And so Jesus goes, and in the middle of the story, they're walking in a crowd, and suddenly this woman touches Jesus. And he says, who touched me? And they're like, come on, Jesus, there's a crowd, everybody's touching you. He says, no, somebody touched me, and I felt power go out for me. And we find out this woman had been bleeding for 12 years, which made her unclean. She couldn't be around people. She'd been in pain. She'd used up all her money on doctors. 
But she had faith that if she would just touch Jesus' clothes, she would be healed. And she was. And he said, daughter, go in peace. Your faith has healed you. They get to the daughter, and people come out and say, hey, don't bother the teacher anymore. She's dead. It's done. Jesus says, she's not dead. She's just asleep. Have faith. Just believe. And he goes in, and he says, little girl, get up with just the parents and three disciples, and she gets up. How old was she? She was 12 years old, just like the woman had been bleeding for 12 years, right? What was required in both of those? Faith was needed for the healing. And in Mark, that's a big theme across the book, is there wasn't enough faith there, but there was enough faith here. And there's something about the way that the people had faith in Jesus that allowed Jesus to perform miraculous signs. Okay? Another example. Jesus curses the fig tree, Mark chapter 11, verse 12 through 21. He goes up, he sees this fig tree, it's out of season, and he says... There's no fruit here. You're cursed. You won't ever produce fruit again. And we say, that is a weird story, Jesus. He goes into the temple, and this is the story where Jesus flips the tables, and he makes a whip to drive out the animals because the people that are in the temple area are selling and making a profit and doing all this money changing that is shady in God's house. And he says, this is not how it's going to be, and he casts them out of the temple, drives them out. Then they walk out of the temple area, and they see the fig tree, and it has withered, and it's not good anymore, right? Why does Mark put those together? Because this is the one that Matthew separates out. But Mark puts them together because what's the fig tree teaching us about the people who are running the temple? They're not doing what they should be doing at the right place in the right time. They're going to wither up, and their time is coming to an end because something new is happening. There's a new covenant coming. And there's actually a couple more stories you can add on to this one that even give it a richer meaning, and it's like a a triple-decker sandwich, all right? And just has all these layers that go into each other, and it's great. But we're not going to do all that today. So we want to look at another one that I did not write a paper about and was not pointed out to me. And I have recently, in the last year on Twitter, learned from a guy named Kyle Howard, and I'll put his name up again, about one that I missed that is important, and I've been excited to talk to you about this for a while, and I've almost said it a couple times, and I just have been saving it, and I'm kind of shoehorning this in again, but I just really wanted to teach you guys, talk to you guys about this, because it's really important, I think. So we're going to talk about the widow's offering, the story of the widow's offering. You've heard this story before. Some of y'all talked about it last week, and I'm going to present a version of this story that might be surprising, all right? So let's read it from Mark chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to it. We'll be in verse 41 and following. Mark chapter 12. So Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. What do you hear in that story? What do you hear? She gave all she had, yes, she gave all her money. You hear a lot of faith? So I've heard sermons about this before, and I've heard talks about giving and offering about this story. 
And there's a lot of different things I hear. Maybe like give until it hurts. Maybe you've heard a sermon about that. And this woman has put in everything she had to give it till it hurts. Or maybe there's, you need to have faith in giving, right? That's what, that's what I heard Billy say, faith in giving. And, and do we need to give until it hurts? Yeah, probably, because a lot of us like to be comfortable. I know I do. And I don't even think most of the time about the money that I'm putting in the plate because it's part of the budget and it's whatever, all right? Or, or faith in giving. Do I actually think that what I'm giving is going to something important or that I, I am reaching out and saying, God, I trust you with this money that I'm putting in? And maybe that's true. Maybe that is something we do need to think about. Or just this idea of complete trust in God, right? She gave everything she had to live on and she's throwing herself on God's mercy. Jesus, though, makes no value statement about her gifts. Did he? What did he say? Did he say it's amazing that she gave it all? Did he say what faith she had in giving it all? He said she gave everything she had. We don't know what Jesus thinks about this. Or do we? Does dot dot. All right. So let's read back a little bit further and forward a little bit further. And what's interesting is this story ends the chapter but I'm going to tell you that this story is a Mark and Sandwich and that this widow's offering is trying to tell us something else that's going on. Go back with me to verse 38. Jesus also taught, Beware of those teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head tables at banquets. Okay, these are the religious people. What are they like? Pomp and circumstance, right? They want people to see how they are, see they're looking good. They can show off the money that they've got, their beautiful robes, everything going on. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be punished severely. What what was that word in there? They cheat who? They cheat widows out of their money? Shamelessly? Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. They cheat widows out of their what? They shamelessly cheat widows out of their money? Chapter 13, verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple that day, one of his disciples said, Teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones in the walls. Jesus replied, Yes, look at these buildings. They'll be demolished completely. Not one stone will be left on top of another. What's the money going to? What's the money the widow put in going to? Temple collection. What's going on? There's a massive building project going on at this time. Herod is building the most beautiful and giant temple you've ever seen. What are they putting money in for? To help him build the temple. temple. What does Jesus think about this? So when we call this the widow's offering, does the widow make an offering? Is she doing what she believes is right and faithful? Yes. There is nothing here that is to shame the widow for what happened. The widow made the best decision she could with what she had based on what the people around her were telling her. But I'm here to tell you that that story probably should be called the widow's exploitation. 
because that is not what the kingdom of God is about. All right? When we talk about faith, blind faith is dumb. It's dumb. God keeps telling his people over and over again, you remember when I did this? You remember when I saved you from this? You remember when I brought you up out of Egypt? You remember when I did this? That's why you trust me. Because I showed up already, now trust me into the future. Okay? God, Jesus, is doing these miracles. He's not just saying, just follow me because I'm saying so. He's showing them these things about the kingdom and what he's about and what's going on, right? And he's not saying, ignore everything around you. He's saying, open your eyes to what's going on. The kingdom is here, all right? If you are in a situation, and you hear this sometimes on the televangelists or whatever, send in your seed money, and we'll send you back. You'll get rich off of it. This is not... This is not the kingdom. In Luke, chapter 20, verses 45 through 21, 6, exact same story is preserved the exact same way. It also crosses a chapter in our English translations. It starts with the widow's offering in chapter 21, but the exact same lines show up in the exact same order. Same way same thing. Because that story is not primarily about a widow giving all she has. It's about a temple establishment that's taking all she has. And that that's not what God's kingdom is going to be about. God's kingdom is not about making you broke for a beautiful building. God's kingdom is not about a preacher getting a jet. God's preacher is not about fancy right? I said already, credit to Kyle Howard on Twitter, where I learned this from. So our question then, how should money in the building mix, right? I mean, it's a worthwhile question, because that's something that we're doing every week, because there's some amount of money that's related to how we do things here. And one of the things we do want to consider as we go forward is, you know, I'm not saying anything right now. These are just throwing things out, all right? So don't be like, we're about to do this, okay? But is the building worth it? Right now, I would say there's a lot of programs and other things we get to do that make it worth it. Yeah. And that it actually is doing things. And you know what? You look at our building, this beautiful, gorgeous, up-to-date, beautiful building. Should we put some money into the building? Probably. Do we need to lower some sinks so that kids can wash their hands in the girls' bathroom? That would be nice. Like, are there things that we probably should do that are capital-type projects for this facility? Yeah. Is it to make it the most beautiful spectacle so people can come from miles around to see it? No. We don't want people to come from miles around to see this building. We want them to come from miles around to see Jesus, hopefully, here. Right? Right. So, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. If that was how the temple establishment handled people's money, let's talk about how God's kingdom and God's church is supposed to handle money. All right? Starting in verse 42, this is Peter has just had his big sermon. He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, because of your sins, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 of them baptized this day. And then it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. 
They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. What are they doing with their stuff? What's everything focused on? It's focused on God, right? It's focused on God and this community he's bringing together. What's, what's mine doesn't matter anymore. Because this is, this is for this kingdom that is building. And, and it gets people excited. Go forward. I'm oh, sorry. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Right? And it's drawing more people. Because is that weird, how they're living? Is it weird? Is it weird to sell your possessions, your buildings, your land, to take care of other people? I mean, we, is that what we see a lot? Right. Society would think it was, and, and that's good because, you know what, a lot of you in here, praise God, have been ruined already by the kingdom. As Ron likes to say, ruined, right? And so these things that sometimes when I say, isn't that weird, you're like, well, no, it's not. And I was like, well, yeah, it's because you've been hanging around with Jesus enough, and you don't think it's weird anymore. <laughs> and that's good because you're starting to see the world for what it is and the kingdom for what it is. And that's good news, and that's good news. Turn to chapter 4. Verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind. This is what Paul prays for in Philippians 2 that we've read the last other weeks about service. And this is tied on to the end of our service series because it's related, right? He's saying, be, be of one heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give it to those in need. It sounds beautiful, right? I don't know where you've been before this, but some of you folks in the room I know have gone to other churches of Christ in the past. And in churches of Christ... There's a, how do I phrase it? Sometimes a penchant for ignoring most of church history. And we say that we're trying to be the first century church. But I don't know that I've ever been part of a first century church that sold all their possessions and made sure there was no need. That's a little too out there. Or is it? I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, this building was purchased because someone sold property so we could buy it. And that was good news for us, right? Because, you know, we're not paying debt on this building. And that's great news. That's a great thing. Because that allows us to be more free with our finances to do things to bless and serve others. And that's good news, right? So as we think about all this, as we put all this in a blender, and we start figuring out what's going to come out, right? We're asking the question now, what is the church? What is the church? Well, it's not the building. It's the people. Kyler, I'm sure, knows an old a cappella song talking about you can't go to church. Because why? Because the church is you. All right, you can't go to church because the church is you. This is, this is the contact building. This isn't, the, this is the church. Right, that's right. We're the church, right? It's the people, not the building. Did you hear that line? In 434, backed, no needy people among them. 
Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? So what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Let's be the church today. All right? We're going to be the church today. And I hope we're going to be the church always, but we're going to do something special today, which is why it's Mission Sunday today. So, you ready? Some of you guys understand what's about to happen. Some of y'all don't really know what's going on. We got people in here with resources and dollar sign resources. We got people here today with dollar sign needs. We didn't take an offering before because we're not taking an offering for contact today. Today what we're going to do is we're taking an offering for the needs that we've got in the room. All right. So, Billy, you were ready to pass stuff out before. We got cards today that are going to ask you for your information, and you got a place where it says, I need, and you got another slot that says, by 1031, I will give. I'm looking for dollar numbers. All right? If you have a need today, a financial need, you're going to put your name and information down, and you are going to write it on there how much you need. If you don't have a need, but you have something to give by today or next Sunday, you're going to write down how much you have to give. And we're going to pray that today, and we're going to keep praying this next week, that the dollar number of what is given is going to far outpace the dollar number of the need. Y'all hear me? Got any questions about that so far? Okay. Good. Now, as that's going on, Scott's about to get up here and talk to us for a minute. Any number that goes over what's offered of the needs is going to go to our friends in the Burmese churches that we've started partnering with. So at other churches, Mission Sunday is about supporting a mission that's somewhere else. That's part of our agenda today, too. And my prayer is that what we give today is going to outpace the need today, and then we're going to be able to bless this other mission as well. So what's going to happen is Scott's going to come up right now, and he's going to share with you a little bit about this Burmese congregation. You guys just be sitting and thinking about that right now. I want you to listen to what Scott says for a minute, and look at some of these pictures, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, I was made aware some uh, weeks ago about uh, an orphanage that was in Myanmar. Where's Myanmar? Raise your hand if you know where that is. Okay, one person knows where Myanmar is. It used to be called Burma. And the people are still called Burmese for the most part. And there's a Christian contingent over on the western side of the country in Chin province. And they uh, have some relatives that live down in Glenpool. And these people live across the street and down a ways. Kyler can tell me when I'm wrong. Uh, that have been contributing for the orphanage to provide, you know, crayons and paper and bare necessities. And so the Burmese couple that do this orphanage, it started with about 12 kids, 9 to 12 kids, and now it's 40 kids and could sometimes as high as 50. And they're not all orphans. Some of them have single moms and... uh, they have to go to work. What has happened in Myanmar is there was a big rebellion. You guys can Google it if you want to know all the particulars. But uh, the the revolution that happened turned the country 
uh, Islamic. And so this uh, Chin province is, is a good thing for the two, the husband and wife, that are the, um, the head and the only, well, there's other people that help them. Whoa, whoa, stop that. Okay, there's Pa on the right, or on the left, and his wife, Dahl. And if you want to pray for them, and you've got a pencil and paper, P-A-W, Pa. He is an integral part of helping these children. And his wife, Dahl, is the sister of Tang, who lives down in Glenpool. And Tang is a minister at a Burmese church here in Tulsa, but he has, you know, uh, wanted to know if we would want to partner with them in helping. Because what happens when we give, uh, when we're servants and we give um, for others' needs where we can't get anything back? We get blessed. God gets glorified. We get blessed. We're, we're family now. The Burmese, Pa and Dahl are our brothers and sisters. Uh, Tang down here, he's going to love a contingent of contact mission. Uh, everything good happens in God's family when we give to this effort where we can get nothing back. We, there's no hope of getting anything back except the knowledge that God can multiply our $10 if that's all that's left after, you know, the... The, the needs are here, and uh, we give this much, and it's only a $10 spread. If we give that $10, God can, the Bible says, make it hundredfold, you know, $1,000. So, you know, uh, we have an opportunity to bless other people. And so the contribution is going to be made next Sunday. We're going to take up the, the papers now and a collection. Okay. And a collection. So if you want to help each other, let's call it a goodwill offering is, I guess, what the Bible would classify this. And uh, the goodwill offering will extend beyond the borders of the United States, across the uh, ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, across the continent of Africa, and up into Myanmar. Amen. All right, so I want you to be excited about that. It's good news, right? It's good news to be able to give, right? Yeah. That's the thing. So, okay. So, so here's, the, here's the fine print, right? It's not real, real big fine print. So we got, I'm asking for your personal info because, one, we just need updated personal info for a lot of you guys so we know where you are. Uh, what you need if you need, what you can give if you can give by next Sunday. So we're asking for any of this to be given by next Sunday. So if you've got some today you can give, don't worry about it. I got you, okay? And then the other big thing that's important is, you know, this is checks. This is other things going on. So don't expect anything till November, all right? So it's going to take a minute to get all this worked through and processed and dealt with. But that's what we're doing, okay? That's the fine print is November. You got a question? However you can get it. I think I understood. I may not have. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you after. I'll talk to you after. Okay. Yeah, there may be some logistics we got to work. But we good? We understand? Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to pray again, and then we're going to pass the plates. All right? Put in, your, put in your paper. 
If you have an offering today, if you're ready for this, put it in. If you don't, put in the paper, and we're going to get ready for next week. And again, nothing in this is going to contact building facilities, ministers, is all need. Yes, question. Kyler is the main point of reference for Burma, for Burmese. So, and you know what? We've got even like right out here, right off of Union, there's a Myanmar Christian Assembly Church. So, I mean, this is, this is all over this area where the, the Burmese people have come and are, um, you know, among us. And that's great because we're going to get to make hopefully deep inroads with the families and the kids and, and hopefully build a strong long-term connection. Okay, so let's pray, and then we're going to pass plates. God, you are a God of generosity. You are a God of abundance. You are a God who loves to bless your people. God, today we are excited to have an opportunity to meet needs. We're excited to get a chance to love, to serve, and to offer of what we have to bless others. God, thank you for that chance. God, as we take this offering today, we are praying that the number far outweighs the need and that we can richly bless the Burmese people as well with this offering. God, I appreciate what Scott said about multiplying a hundredfold. God, whatever is done today, in your name, we pray for increase. We pray that whatever happens, it will be a blessing. God, you are so good to us. We love you. We're thankful for today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're going to pass trays, pass trays. In a second here, Kyler's going to get up and lead us in an invitation song. But as you leave, I want you to think today, how can we be the church? How can we be the church every day? How can what we have go to bless others? How can we serve? How can we love? If it's convenient for you, let's stand together as we sing.